Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey guys, Perry here. Let's make some mayhem. Shoot and loot your way through a mayhem-fueled adventure in Borderlands 3. Blast through new worlds and enemies as one of four new playable vault hunters, each with deep skill trees, abilities, and customization. Play solo or with your friends to take on insane enemies, score loads of loot, and save the galaxy from a fanatical threat. Mayhem is available now on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pre-order now at Borderlands.com. Rated them for Mature. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to Movie Talk on today's show. First reactions to Gemini Man are in. Then a possible Disney Plus Star Wars holiday special. Could it actually happen? After that, we are talking about the top 100 essential movies that any film fan should watch. We're going to dig into all that on today's show. 
On today's show, we are lucky to have Drew Taylor and Eric Eisenberg on the panel. We've got some great topics to discuss, and we're previewing them for you in the call sheet right now. The very first topic on our call sheet today are those first reactions to Ang Lee's Gemini Man. Some folks out there saw the movie, and we're going to read a couple tweets from them, like Eric Davis, who tweeted, Just saw Ang Lee's Gemini Man, and it's legit. Old Will Smith versus Young Will Smith equals a visually visceral experience that's absolutely wild to watch at times. Again, Ang Lee delivers bold, unique action that's on par with the best. See it in 3D for sure. Then we've got Max Avery writing, Ang Lee's Gemini Man is a huge breakthrough for 120 frames per second presentation. Action sequences are breathtaking in the format. Will Smith's winning performance shows the level of scrutiny a real movie star can stand up to. If you don't see it in theaters, you're missing a true experience. And then, of course, our own Vinny Mancuso wrote, In Gemini Man, the young Will Smith throws not one, but two motorcycles at the old Will Smith and that to me is very good highly recommend moving on over to that star wars story our good friend at et ash crossan she got to catch up with john favreau at the saturn awards recently and asked him a little something about a star wars holiday special here's what he told her that's my generation I love the holiday special. I mean, certain sequences more than others, but I love the introduction of Boba Fett and that rifle that he had. That animated piece still holds up. It's pretty cool, and I still draw inspiration from that. I would love to maybe someday on Disney Plus, we'll do a holiday special too. Next up, if you've noticed on the internet, there's been a whole lot of talk about The Princess Bride. This is where it comes from. A variety profile on Norman Lear, and in that piece, the CEO of Sony Pictures said the following. Very famous people whose names I won't use, but they want to redo The Princess Bride. So fans and individuals involved in the actual film, they weren't happy about it, like Carrie Ellis, for example. But according to USA Today, a person familiar with the situation but not not authorized to speak publicly told the outlet that the studio has no plans for a remake. So if you're worried... Take that comment to heart right there. All right, moving on. Oh, this is a big one. It can be really tough to narrow down the list of essential movies to watch when we get so many new films every single year and also when we're reassessing some of the older ones. So with that idea in mind, the Collider.com staff collaborated on 100 movies they think that every film fan needs to see. Just to throw a couple titles out there for you right now, the list includes Apocalypse Now, Back to the Future, and Avengers. We're going to discuss many more later on today's show. Finally, for our call sheet, we're reviewing Ad Astra today for you. The movie stars Brad Pitt as Roy McBride. He's on a mission across the solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, 30 years later, threatens the universe. We're going to share our thoughts on this movie in just a moment, but before we get there, check out Matt Goldberg's interview with Brad Pitt himself. We recently heard that that Tarantino might have like a four hour cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you have you seen? The no, I haven't seen, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to that one. Do you know if you plan to release that like on Netflix or like in? Like, What's well, a very interesting cut? thing now that he he I believe he's pioneered it. I don't know anyone else has done it, but he did it with Hateful Eight. It, it's always a case on each film. You know, scenes get left on the editing floor. They have to because you can't get it all in this film shape package and we have to lose great scenes all the time and what he has done is now repurposed the film into something else that becomes this 
uh, a limited series, three parts, four parts, and being able to um, reinstate, you know, this this footage. And you can watch it. If it's broken up, you can spend more time with the characters that way. I think it's I think it's a really exciting prospect that a film could exist in both incarnations. No, you, you get it in two different mediums, and the experience completely changes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. At one point, you you were you and David Fincher were going to do World War Z yeah. two, and I'm so curious, what does a David Fincher zombie movie oh, even look good. like? Oh, it was good. It was really good. Can you can very, you very, like very, how very, how very, very good? <laughs> it was cool. Any more details? Like what? How is going to compare to the first film? I, well, we we had a really good story, which he shepherded. Really strong story, and uh, no, the things he had planned for just hadn't been seen before. I'm sure he'll get it out on something else. You know, we're, we're approaching the, the 20th anniversary of Fight Club, and I was sort of curious if you had any sort of thoughts looking back at that film and sort of its impact. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, it's always been my goal to, you know, to, to shoot for films that have, a, have legs, that have a, a chance of being around 10 years, 20 years later, still have something relevant to to say, um, and so uh, for a couple of those to do that yeah. is, um, I don't know, when I found films, you know, they were well after their, their release, and I still love them, and I still watch them, and um, if cinema is to last, I hope it, it lasts in that way. Well, the industry has changed so much, and you know, you've been major presence in Hollywood for a quarter of a century now, and mm-hmm. what do you see as sort of the biggest, you know, I don't want to say threats, challenges to sort of the industry right now and, and to making movies. Well, it's, it's pretty complicated. You know, it's just going to be on us and what we – do we still want to have that communal experience on a big screen? That's, that, that's going to be it. But films became so expensive and such a gamble, uh, mainly because of prints and advertising, this additional cost on the film that they were either only able to bet on big, you know, tentpole films um, – or, um, or keep the, any interesting drama really small. Um, and there was just been this huge gap. Now, with streaming services, they don't have to deal with, with prints and advertising and to that degree. And, and um, we're just seeing so much great material. We're seeing people taking chances again, being really bold, um, new talent emerging. That's really exciting. Um, the question is, is are we going to go all that way or do we, do we want to hold on to our communal experience and what kind of films are going to fit into that communal experience? And it seems like they have to be events in some way, and if they're not, that they're going to get lost in the shuffle. I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see. All right, we're rolling into our Ad Astra review right now, and I have the pleasure of welcoming Drew Taylor and Eric Eisenberg for this conversation. Before we even jump in, Eric, you yes. are a familiar face on Movie Talk. Yeah. Drew. First time, baby. It's about time. Yeah. How long have we known each other? <laughs> for so many years. years. Yes, so yes. many years. From back I'm in so happy. Seriously. Now, now we're here. I'm so uh, happy to have you on the show I'm so today. Happy to be here. I'm also excited to hear what you guys think about Ad Astra because I suspect you guys are big fans. So briefly, Eric, you want to kick us I, off? I'll here? just say the wince that you just expressed is just so intense. So I was just like, wow, just like trying to put me off my game. Uh, but no, I actually, I actually really, really love this film. Uh, it, I think the visuals are absolutely spectacular. It really, at its core, story-wise, takes uh, its plot very much, follows the beats of Hearts, uh, Hearts of Darkness very much. So it has a kind of sci-fi 
sci-fi apocalypse now type vibe but just as it kind of goes from set piece to set piece it just keeps building and building and i just absolutely love the character development the visuals are spectacular i just i really thought this was an impressive so i have to give a little context for my experience watching (laughs) at astra because i woke up at something like 4 a.m eastern so 1 a.m this time flew back from tiff and then insisted on going to a screening of ad astra at seven o'clock at night so i was wrecked i had like (laughs) tiff had like boggled my brain for so many days so i found it a tiny bit too slow for me in the third act of the movie but Mm -hmm. i do have to echo what you said about the visuals i think one of the most striking things to me about this movie from that perspective was how rich the blacks in the movie were and when you have a movie that takes place so much in space there there's something about that that i mean it almost like sucks the air out of the room it makes you feel like trapped in the vastness of space i thought that was very effective and Brad Pitt is freaking phenomenal. I mean, yeah. between this and also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, two completely different. I was different gonna say, these characters I mean, you, couldn't be more different. If you yeah. need a reminder that he's a movie star, go see Ed Astra. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, it's one of those movies. I feel like every sci-fi movie is like, oh, space is horrible. It's a horrible place, and then you don't really get that. But in Ed Astra, you are reminded every five minutes of how <laughs> terrible space is and how bad it can be in this kind of like hypothesized future, which I won't get into details of, but is very sort of different than our space program now. I think yeah. it captures that in the space respect and also just what what family legacy can do and the ripple effect that that has. So mm-hmm. what did you guys think of Tommy Lee Jones' as, uh, part in the movie briefly? I mean, it's a very small part, but I mean, it is well-performed. He is kind of the Colonel Kurtz-esque character mm-hmm. uh, who's just lost out in the distance and has seemingly gone mad and needs to be stopped at all costs and it's kind of dramatic that you send their son, your, the son in to get this mission done um, but I think it is I mean it's like I said it's a small part but I think it is executed very very well and I never necessarily would have thought of Tommy Lee Jones being cast as Brad Pitt's father but <laughs> even after Space Cowboys he's a great you know he's a sure yeah how can I forget about Space Cowboys <laughs> can forget about Space Cowboys so what are you guys thinking now after having seen Ad Astra because Brad Pitt already has some Oscar buzz for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do you think that this could break through into the awards race as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, what's interesting about uh, specifically Once Upon a Time in Hollywood versus Ad Astra is be leading versus supporting. And so, you know, maybe he could wind up with uh, attention in both categories. I could definitely see him. I mean, this, like, thus far, like, from especially after the festivals that we're getting into, we have seen a lot of amazing performances start mm-hmm. rolling out in 2019. So by the end of this year, I think it is going to be a very crowded field. But I definitely keep him in the conversation, yeah. The interesting thing after TIFF that surprised me is that there's no clear front runner. I I know that A Star is Born did fizzle out eventually last year and it didn't win as much as we once thought. But leaving TIFF, I feel like most people that I was there with were like, like, it's all about A Star is Born. And now I'm thinking about everything that really got, you know, a whole lot of positive buzz out of TIFF this year. And it just seems like there's a very even playing field. So there is an opportunity for Brad Pitt to break through with something like this. Yeah, I just wonder what the sort of commercial prospects are going to be. Because I don't know what, I don't know if people are excited about this, if they know what it is if you know the title is very ambiguous there hasn't been a whole lot of marketing 
Uh, I hope people see it. It's going to be an IMAX this weekend, which I'm very excited to go back and see. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, but I wonder what I, – I, I don't know what – I mean, you're sort of mixed on it. I wonder how sort of audiences are going to perceive this. Yeah, I mean, I'm very eager to go back and see it again well-rested and just like with a, with a fresh mind. And also because, you know, like I saw 23 movies in a week at TIFF. Right. I, want, I need to actually come at this one, you know, just fully ready to soak in Ad Astra because this isn't a sit-back and relax kind no. of movie. And I don't want to, to kind of like belittle Downton Abbey, but I saw that movie and I loved it. And I think that is just such that that's the definition of a cheery crowd pleaser where mm. this isn't. This is a very thinky movie and Absolutely. you need to be alert and ready for that to fully appreciate it. So this is one of those scenarios where, you know, when I go and I check cinema score at the end of the weekend, this one might not <laughs> yeah, have the highest. I will say just, I mean, to play devil's advocate on the box office side and this is probably an unfair comparison, but like Interstellar was a big hit and like, I mean, it's true. James Gray is not Christopher Nolan. That's just, no. I mean, that is face fact. He's a great filmmaker, but as far as just his legacy and like how audiences respond to him, it's obviously not the same. So, um, but at the same time, I could definitely see people uh, just trying to check the, just taking this out based really on the star power of Brad Pitt. I mean, I think he brings a lot to the screen. I think that the uh, conversation around it has been really compelling. And just honestly, for also just what you were saying about seeing it a second time, I think it is a movie that mm-hmm. absolutely deserves to be, and you're saying it too, is like it, just because as the story unfolds it is kind of going from set piece to set piece and each one offers a different kind of piece to the puzzle and just understanding that structure, going back into it, I feel like you can get a much deeper read out of everything and yeah, I just think it's it's there. But everyone should go back and rewatch all of James Gray's movies yes, too. So this too. this yeah. will be the flashpoint where now James Gray is like a big important director that he always should have been, mm-hmm. you know, but he's an amazing American auteur and should should be you know, thought of as such. All right. So in a weekend where we have Ad Astra, Downton Abbey and also Rambo Last Blood, what are you recommending people seen say? Rambo? I, uh, I haven't. I have not seen I Rambo. Seen I know John Roca has, but I, he hasn't okay. shared his thoughts with me I've yet. I've seen the reactions online last night, and they are not positive. So, yeah. uh, in fact, they are miserable. So, I mean, I can't, that's, I, I, have no, I have no subjective opinion on this, but, like, the crowd, nobody seems to, like, everyone in the professional set seemed to like it. So, I mean, but at the same time, I love this movie, so I'm just going to say this movie, Ad Astra. Yes, go see okay. Ad Astra. Yeah, go see, <laughs> yeah, go see Ad Astra, and the biggest screen possible. Definitely. And if you want me to review it in a British accent, that'll be like a, that's the Downton Abbey, you know, feeling that you want. I will say what's exciting to me about this weekend at the box office between the three movies, and I also have not seen Rambo, so I can't comment on the quality of that movie, is it is kind of cool how there's something for everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when you loop in a horror movie in It Chapter 2 and also Hustlers, which I think might appeal to maybe a younger crowd than Downton Abbey. Maybe everyone. I think everyone. Hustlers. Well, check out every, Hustlers. Everyone yeah. should see it, but there really is something out there for everyone right now. So I really think we're going to wind up with a fairly big weekend in the box office, even if one of these three movies doesn't wind up being a runaway hit. I feel like we're going to wind up with a top five where every single one of them makes north of $15 million. I was going to say, I, I, like, I think I read a report that said uh, Ad Astra, Downton, and uh, It are all looking at like $20 million weekends. So. That would be, be nice huge. to have something to go see at the movies. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like opening up your AMC app and going, ah, uh, we'll stay home. Oh, <laughs> not know. this time of not year. We're rolling into award Thank season. God. Halloween's right around the corner. Good stuff Thank ahead God. of us. Good stuff ahead of us on Movie Talk today, too. Because right now, we're going to talk a little bit about a potential Star Wars holiday special. So, as we told you earlier, Ash Crossing caught 
up with John Favreau and the holiday special came up and it's not like he said like I am working on a holiday special it was something they were tossing around for fun so we thought we would do the same here first off given his comments do you actually think that he would ever commit to making a Star Wars holiday special for Disney Plus or is this kind of just like a, a lofty dream that was thrown out there for fun well, I mean, we have to think about how much of The Mandalorian comes from the holiday special, because his gun <laughs> yeah. is the same gun mm-hmm. that Boba Fett had in the animated spe- uh, section of that special. Mm. Uh, you know, the first Ewok movie was supposed to be a holiday special as well, and it was viewed by 34 million people when it premiered on television. <laughs> so there is some precedent here, but sure. I don't know if they would go full-on holiday special. I, th- I, mean, like, I mean, I think the door is kind of open, especially now that we have Disney+. Plus. Like, I think that creates a lot of new avenues mm-hmm. that they could potentially explore. Uh, that being said... The legacy. This is definitely a thing with a legacy. Star Wars. The holiday. Star, the Star Wars holiday special is a terrible piece of crap. <laughs> it is truly, truly terrible. Like the, the animated sequence is neat. Like and like and it is interesting that that's kind of what John Favreau focuses on in these quotes <laughs> because everything else about it is just awful, unwatchable crap. And it's why George Lucas has done everything in his power to try and basically erase it from existence. But of course, fans will always have the kind of bootleg DVDs that show up at conventions. And stuff like that so it's like to will live on but yes okay. i have seen it and i'm wondering now <laughs> let's say there is a holiday special in the future do you think there's a scenario where they could play into that aspect of it for the better or do like they kind of take it seriously i mean i'm just bringing this up because like downton abbey is well downton abbey and and you know even i'm thinking about recently sabrina had a christmas special like mm. they take it very seriously whereas sure. here there's the opportunity to play into nostalgia and have you know a different kind of fun yeah. with it which which avenue do you go with this i mean it's interesting that kind of like tone does not necessarily fully exist in the star wars universe yeah. where you're kind of like purposefully like taking the piss out of it um I mean, if we are going into a bold new era of Star Wars projects, maybe that could be something that'd be interesting to go on. I, mean, I certainly don't want to see that applied to like an Obi Wan series. So, like, if you're going to do that, yeah, the holiday special would be the. But way like to in go. the Mandalorian, like, oh, but not like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Werner, so Werner Herzog going like, "Hello and welcome, have a good life day," you know, something like that. I don't know if that would would yeah. totally work, especially because no. it's very dark and. Spooky. Was he saying that he wanted to do it like separately from Mandalorian, or? Yeah, I think it was, he said like basically do just it like as a crazy. Kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think he really specified. Again, I don't think this was any kind of you know firm commitment to his intentions to actually make it. But right. it's an interesting idea to throw around. If you, this is, I'm putting you guys on the spot here. If you did have to pick a director who could maybe make the most of this, and in either route that I just said, we could either go the spoof route or we could take it fully seriously and fit in the tone that they have established with the Star Wars film franchise and now might explore in Disney+. Plus. Who would you pick I and why? I do for this now, actually. It's uh, Taika Waititi. He's now in, he's in Star Wars now. He directed episodes of The Mandalorian, and he has that time. He's I was actually, say, yeah. well, he's one of few that I think could tap into, yeah. into both of what I was just describing there, right. too. Yeah. I was going to say, As bring, you were describing it, I was like, oh, that, that's the yeah. guy. <laughs> oh, that makes or, so much sense. Or we sense. could bring back Lord and Miller. Too, mm. too soon? 
Too soon? Yeah, I don't think that will ever, ever <laughs> I mean, happen. Really, so. I don't think it's ever too soon to bring Lord and Miller back to anything. Oh, I'm game for it. I yes, don't actually right. think it's going to happen, no, right. but I think, that, I think that they're that an excellent pair. I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think it wouldn't be so much about Star Wars reaching out to Lord and Miller so much as Lord and Miller having absolutely zero interest yeah. to do with Star Wars. So, yeah, that's a thanks for bringing that level down. <laughs> Dude, that, that's really depressing. But they would be great, right? <laughs> they would, of course. Yeah, no, they have this exact perfect sensibility. Really, if they so. announced their return to Star Wars in any respect, I'd be all for it. Yeah, sure. Well, I have a little scoop for you, too. I want to hear it. Okay. So, they have talked about bringing Life Day to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But, unsurprisingly, <laughs> Lucasfilm has not been too excited about that. Sure. Yeah. But I think that would be a fun sort of Christmas time overlay. Get people back, you know. What? Like, I know, I know the answer. <laughs> I know the answer to this. I was about to say, like, what? why not? Yeah. You know, like, people do think of it fairly fondly. And also, you were talking earlier about the overlay idea and how successful that is at the parks. And, you know, I, for one, I've never been to Disneyland during Halloween time. And, Mm -hmm. like, I'm just, I'm dying to go. I usually feel lots of urgencies to go to Disneyland or Disney World because I love theme parks and I love Disney in particular. But for Halloween, like... How have I not gone? It's just increasing my desire to go to the park tenfold, and I feel like that effect could happen if Life Day was part of Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, I just don't... I mean, what are the decorations for I've Life Day? I've got absolutely yeah. no clue. That's like, yeah. Not a clue That's in the, the world. other thing. It's like, how do you kind of... You like, haul out the worst Wookiee costumes you right, could Right, worst Wookiee costume. I'm yeah. telling you, there <laughs> is a charm in playing into this. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it is ultimately a question of whether or not Star Wars is willing to, like take itself a little bit less seriously because as it is this is one of the biggest most like beloved franchises in history and as soon as you kind of maybe cross a line where you maybe don't take it as seriously as most as a lot of fans clearly do because there are a lot of intense Star Wars fans out there um that it may ultimately get rejected and so if you lean into it too far that may be a problem I I mean, I would hope it yeah. wouldn't be. Yeah, you know, you remember those shirts they used to have of, like, Darth Vader riding, you know, the rocket jets and Tomorrowland and stuff, and sure. all that stuff is gone huh. now. Yeah. You know, there's it's it, they've sort of taken it to a more serious place. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But, but I think even the animated material have... isn't silly. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, yeah. you have, like, the occasional, like, silly, like, kind of funny droid, but it's not silly silly. It's definitely not holiday special silly. No. So. I feel like it, it's somehow silly with being appropriate to the overall tone that they've established. Sure. Where you everything think, can you think re- that, that a Christmas special could be that? No, no, no. Okay. oh my god, no. Okay. When, when I say go, you know, spoof movie like, I mean just fully play the into fully it and celebrate it. Yeah. it. Yeah. You know, make sure people don't go into it with the expectation that certain things are canon. Just, I mean, you know, let loose and have fun. Sure. Like, have fun without all that added pressure. Maybe, Maybe after yeah. nine, they'll kind of loosen up and, and things will have a little bit more breathing room. I how, don't know. Who knows? How miserable would a serious holiday special be, though? <laughs> well, <laughs> they just like they tried to I'm into it. Alright, we're going to toss this to you guys right now. What do you think? Should they do a holiday special on Disney Plus? Should it be serious or or super silly. Hit the comment section below and share your thoughts right there. Before we move on to our final discussion today, which is going to be about those 100 essential movies to watch, we've got some stuff to tease on Collider Video. Here are a couple promos. Well, hello there. I'm Ken Napsok, one of the hosts of Collider Jedi Council. And I'd like to invite you to listen to our show, watch our show. It's on every Thursdays on the Collider Video channel. And it's also available in podcast form if you'd like to listen to our sweet voices. On Collider Jedi Council, me, Christian Harloff, and a bevy of guests, I say, talk Star Wars. 
We celebrate Star Wars. We dig into the Star Wars news. We speculate everything about Star Wars, including your questions. So join us on Collider Jedi Council. You're going to have a great time. Hey guys, it's Riley here. Let me tell you about the Riley Roundtable. You know it, right? It drops every Thursday on Collider Conversations. And I have guests from all across the space. John Roca, Gray Drake, Alexander Desplat came on at one point. We talk everything from movies, we talk about life, and everything in between. What do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? It's the Riley Roundtable every Thursday on Collider Conversations. You get it there. All right, time for the big discussion. I love these lists, and I really do need to applaud the Collider.com staff because we were talking earlier. You can't put up a list that's the 100 essential movies any film fan should watch and, you know, not run into someone out there who says, that list is crap. I think it should be this, this, and this. They worked so hard on this. They all kind of had to put their heads together and come up with a list as a team. And I really do think that this list is something else. But we also do want to throw in some of our own picks that might be missing from this. So first, before we even get there... What is an essential movie to you? Because that's the other thing. This was a team effort. Everybody else considers a movie a must-see for a variety of reasons. So in your mind, what makes a movie essential for a movie fan? Yeah, I don't – like – because we're – this is – the way it was described to me is this is for, like, new movie fans. Yes. Like, people who maybe haven't seen a lot of these things. So – yeah, it's it's interesting to put that criteria on something that someone else should watch. You know, it's I don't know. What do you? Well, for me, I think really what essential filmmaking is is film like because film, in my opinion, is a storytelling medium. It's the ability to tell a story, and we've now experienced a century of this medium. And so, what is really essential is the kind of advancement of that storytelling. It's the people who take what currently exists, look at it differently twist it, and then apply those twists to create something new that kind of opens things up in a new way. And frankly, a lot of these films absolutely do that. I mean, I, I mean, right now I'm looking at my computer, and the first one that pops out to me is Pulp Fiction, which of course mm-hmm. is the ultimate postmodern crime story that completely deconstructs everything from the 90 years plus that had preceded it. So it's films like that that I do think ultimately are what you would call essential. Ooh, Very well answer. said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, I got, when I was thinking about my own movies to add to this list, I got very torn between exactly what you expressed because it does, if this is a list meant to, I guess, teach in some respect, it does feel really important that all of these movies represent something that something before them hadn't done, mm-hmm. something that has shaped the industry that we're steeped in right now. But then I think about the movies that are essential to me as sure. a movie lover that shaped the movie lover I have become. And, you know, I was this close to saying Billy Madison should be on the list, but <laughs> wow. I didn't do it. I held back a little, but... Growing you just up, did. You admittedly, just did. growing up, that that movie was a very big deal to me, and that kind of shaped, in a sense, my comedic sensibilities too. I love early Adam Sandler so so much, and you know, just thinking about the comedies where I'm repeating so many lines over and over, there is a tinge of Billy Madison that I find in a lot of it. Deeply influential, I mean, and, and I mean, for your for you personally, just knowing you, Scream is also exactly. I mean, and it's, just, on the list. it's on the list, also yeah. yes. And like, guess what? The first two things when I pulled up this list that I like did the final. <laughs> Search search for Scream and Jurassic Park. Thank God they're on the list. (laughs) For you guys, what were the most pleasant surprises that you caught scrolling through that list? Was there anything that I was very happy Die Hard was on there? Yes, yes, that's Um, absolutely. You know, obviously a formal masterpiece, but also a very heartfelt one. And 
we are still uh, describing action movies as Die Hard Anna. So I think that, you know, we are still sort of, that's, we're still in the wake of that. So that was sure. really, I was really happy about that. Um, for me, honestly, it's, I mean, this is maybe kind of a cop-out answer, but like the way that, whenever somebody asks me what my favorite movie is, I struggle just because every single movie I've ever seen just suddenly comes flying into my head. So the way I kind of break it down is by directors. Like it's the filmmakers mm-hmm. that truly, I think, made an impact on this industry. And really, you've, this list has everybody. This is, I mean, it's Tarantino, it's Raimi, it's Wilder, it's uh, Kurosawa, it's, Hitchcock. I mean, it's Hitchcock. It's, I mean, like, it's, you really... Yeah, There's some notable, notable exclusions. Yes, there is. Sure. I, yeah. Okay, I'm I not going to yeah. mention this one later because I have a feeling I know where you're... I'm actually curious well, if we I mean, go in the yeah. same direction. Well, I thought, I, I was surprised there was no De Palma. Sure. Someone who is, speaks the language of cinema better huh. than, you know, I would argue most uh, major directors. And also no Bong Joon-ho. No, no, huh? uh, no Korean cinema at all, which I was very like, hmm. Okay. So yeah. what, what would you add to the list in I that category? I, I would put Memories of Murder on there. I would put something like The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which seems like a very interesting, like, Korean twist on a mm-hmm. very American genre. I mean, Kim Ji-woon is, like, an amazing filmmaker that I think everybody should check out. Um, but yeah, I thought that was sort of an interesting. I mean, I was I was impressed with how much international cinema was on this list, but mm-hmm. obviously uh, there are going to be some some blind spots. I was thinking Old Boy too. Yeah, that, Old that's Boy, one of course. Yeah, that, I mean, it's on a lot of you know the best movies of all time list for good reason. Yeah, and that, or even that the, was the one. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, sure. the one, one of the most amazing movies of the last yeah. few years. Yeah, that's that's a good call. Um, all right, I can't I can't hold back. So so. <laughs> Were we talking Hitchcock? That was the one. You have, yeah, Hitchcock. Right? Did you have a movie, a Hitchcock movie that you were surprised wasn't on this list? No. Was, yeah. was Vertigo on the list? It's, it's yes, Vertigo's, Vertigo's there. on the list. Psycho is not. Psycho I know. Is not. Psycho, okay. is, Psycho is the one that's not. They have, uh, they have Vertigo and they have Rear Window, which made me really happy because Rear Window is one of my favorite of all yes. of Hitchcock's movies. Psycho is, Psycho is, is missing. And actually, uh, on kind of taking the next uh, slash level, Halloween is also not I, on yeah. this list. Well, uh, yeah. Halloween, and then the other one that I... I feel like Halloween is more essential than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is still, of all of the first of the iconic slasher franchises, that's one of the ones that holds up yes. oh, the yeah. best. Oh, I my mean, God. Yeah. Every <laughs> single time... I, I've watched that movie more times than I can count, and it's still... It, it creeps me out. And it it's makes funny. Me, no. it, yeah. it creeps me out. It makes me feel like scared and vulnerable. And it's just as vicious after so many watches as it was the very first time I saw it. So yeah. I might add that one as well. Yeah. That is a great one. Yeah. Um, Godzilla, I noticed, was not on the list. Uh, I'm for surprised some Haley stood for that. <laughs> I think sure there was a lot of discussion. There was, yeah. there was definitely a conversation about Godzilla. Uh, and also, I mean, this is also per- partially biased, but uh, I would throw Big Lebowski on there. If mm. not, just because, A, it's, it is my favorite comedy of all time. I can, like, I can watch that movie endlessly and laugh every single time. But it's also, just to go back to what I was saying earlier, an incredible deconstruction of genre. It's right. like the fact that you are marrying uh, comedy with deep, Film noir is unbelievably gorgeous and so clever and creative. And I mean, I loved seeing also like Fargo is on this list. So yeah. Coen Brothers do get some representation, which I'm happy about. Only so. four animated movies out of 100, which I was super psyched about do you, that. Do you know what those animated movies were? Yes, off the top they of your were. Head? Yeah, they were Snow White, Fantasia. Fantasia spirited away and toy story yeah i had a feeling toy story would be the one do you are you at a point where you can clearly isolate your favorite pixar movie because i i I very recently had a switch no i mean i think that i think brad bird is another filmmaker that was should have been represented on this and i think putting iron giant on there um, Mm -hmm. would have been great because 
Uh, oh, what, I know what's Matt represented? Loves Iron Giant. Yeah, but what's represented on the list are like kind of the big titans of Japanese and and Western uh, animation. So, sure. putting a movie that was a little bit outside of that, just as a kind of entry point for people who aren't into like the mainstream mm-hmm. stuff, would kind of be nice. But yeah, I mean, Rat- Ratatouille is great. I think yes. Incredibles might still be my favorite. I think right now I am firmly in the camp of having Inside Out as my favorite Pixar movie it's of amazing. all time. Well, it just topped Wally, but you know, when I'm thinking of essentials with this list, yes, you kind of have to. If you're only going to pick one, you have to go with Toy Story yes. because it started one of the most incredible uh, animation studios of all time. Yeah, and technically. Well, what we were talking, what we're talking about technologically, yeah. that oh, is yeah. such a leap forward. Yeah. yeah. You know what I would have liked to see on this list? Actually, a a Leica movie, a stop motion yes. movie. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a huge. I mean, actually, wait, wait, wait. Is Nightmare Before Christmas on there? That's exactly what I was looking for. It it's not. not on the. All right, that yeah. is the one that's that one. it that just went to the top of my <laughs> must be on this movie list. Nightmare. Before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will also just throw into the mix, uh, just because the indie movement of the early 90s, I mean, we do have Pulp Fiction is represented, but like Richard Linklater is not on this list. Movies like Slacker. Boyhood is not on there. Slacker, Dazed and Confused. Okay. Uh, So I would would put those on there. I would put, yeah. Boyhood, I mean, still nothing. Boyhood is, yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's spectacular. And knowing that he's also now going into that venture kind of again, which is uh, by its own. Yeah. Yeah. Just curious. So, Eric, you said. You don't have like a clear sense of what your favorite movie of all time no. is. Yeah, that's impossible. Do, do you, Drew? And and what typically <laughs> dictates what gets on that list? Because it's deeply personal for everybody. Right. I mean, I, I think that now after doing almost seventy episodes of a Mission Impossible podcast, <laughs> where I've broken down every single aspect of Mission Impossible and talked to everyone, uh, it might be Mission Impossible or Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, I wow. mean, in terms of something that I can watch over and over again and find new things and and. Yeah, I would lo- have loved to have seen the Mission Impossible franchise, uh, you know, make a make a appearance here. But yeah, that, that is kind of revolutionary. Actually, yeah. I think that could suit this list. Yeah, actually, here's here's another one. I want to make sure it's not on this list before I say Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, I yeah. think just because of the accomplishment, in particular, of just the stunts and all the in camera stuff mm-hmm. that was done on that movie, it's, that's uh, really on another it's kind level. Of a movie that is it says like this is what can be done because it, it, that is a movie that seems impossible but then when you look at like the behind the scenes footage of Mad Max like it's wild are yeah. <laughs> it's really really like, I wild I still can't believe a lot of the stuff that they do uh, in that film and so yeah I, I think yeah and I guess George Miller in general is not represented here. I don't think so, uh, at, so at a yeah. glance and that's not another that one tell. that has seamless uh, computer tons of yeah. computer oh yes I mean, another one that was kind of surprising was Zodiac isn't on the yeah. list oh I do quite like Zodiac. Um, you know. <laughs> it's so. a tough list. This is, is a tough. really, really hard I'll list to make. I, mean, I think it's a really good on. list. I actually think that, you know, compared to some other things, did you guys see the Guardians, the 100 no, list not. of the new millennium? Did not see that That's, a, that's a really interesting that's list. Okay, to, yeah. I gotta, I gotta yeah, go yeah, through check that. A couple other uh, pleasant surprises here. I was very happy to see Evil Dead on the list. Very much yeah. so. I think yes. that, that's a great one to have in the mix. Clueless. Clueless got a little love. Oh. Is John think. Hughes on the list at all? Oh, no. Because I would put Breakfast Club up there. Uh, Breakfast Club is oh, not. No. I didn't yeah. see Now I just feel a little bad about shouting out <laughs> so I love Clueless. Clueless yeah. was another 90s essential to me and it's part of, you know, like the formation of my movie-loving brain. But I would probably put a John Hughes movie yeah. Yeah. above Clueless. 
Also, Tangerine. I was I was pleasantly surprised yes. to see Tangerine, I've not seen tangerine. on the tangerine list. Tangerine is probably one of the few movies on this great. list that I have not seen. Um, so. If you're a fan of James Ransone, we had a lengthy interview with him for The Witching Hour for It Chapter 2 recently. So go watch that. But also, he's in Tangerine, and I just can't recommend that movie enough. It's an amazing movie. It really is. It's so fun. Anything else that you guys want to throw in before we move on? I uh, feel like we yeah. could go go. <laughs> I was about to say this is conversations. Yeah, I'm like so afraid to cut this segment off and move into live chat questions because I'm afraid that I'm going to get upset when I think of something that I didn't say right now. No, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, but there's, I mean, there's so much to talk. I mean, there's like we haven't talked about the silent era. We haven't talked about like, I mean, Spike Lee, like, do the right thing. We have like we haven't talked about uh, the kung fu, like, Enter the Dragon. We like, yeah, this this is such a insanely huge topic I don't think it could ever be covered within any kind of limited time frame maybe they'll do like a hundred more movies in a few months we'll have to come back and talk about it you always could it's like like I understand the mentality of like here's something like to narrow your focus and you know encourage you maybe a little more to jump Mm -hmm. in but there's so many things out there I can't handle it all right I'm going to leave that actually to you as well. Hit the comment section below. Share the movies that you think should be on this list as well, because the more movies we hear about that suit this list, the better for all of us. We'll all get more to watch out of it. Right. All right. Let's move into some live chat questions. We got a whole bunch here. Oh, I'm just going to give you a very difficult one first. From Lion's Cub, who asks, if you could only see one more movie this year, which one would it be? It can be one that is released or yet to be released. I know this. Oh, answer. wow. I, I feel like that little parentheses thing just made it even more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the obvious answer is Star Wars, but I think I'm going to say Dr. Sleep. Uh, I, like, I love Mike Flanagan. I, like, I love the book. I, yeah, I think that is kind of the big highlight for the rest of the year for me. Yeah. I was going to say Star Wars or Frozen 2. Yeah. I'm very, very excited about Frozen 2, and I think it's going to be really special. <laughs> Were you at the long lead date? No. I was. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was very impressed yeah, with what we saw. Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah. I'm extremely conflicted right now. Oh. <laughs> so Star Wars obviously comes to mind. Frozen 2 comes to mind. And so does Dr. Sleep. But then I started to think about, you know, what movie did I love, love, love this year that I'd be very upset if I couldn't watch again? Yeah. And? But, I mean, now, now I'm getting into the nitty gritty of his question. And it's like, well, can I just not watch it again this calendar year? And could I come back to it next? If I couldn't watch a movie that I love this year ever, ever again... It would be Avengers Endgame as my choice. Like, I would never want to carry on without ever having that experience again. Right. Sure. So I'd want to make as sure to get that someone who's watched it roughly 800 times yeah, right. exactly. come out yeah. on DVD. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. The other day, uh, not the other day, the other week when I was uh, I was flying with Haley to uh, North Bend, Washington for a film festival, and she was watching Avengers Endgame on the little plane screen, and I was just, like, creeping over her shoulder, even without <laughs> sound. It's like the second that third act battle kicks in, you like, there's no way you could pull your eyes away from it. And it's just as good on a teeny tiny screen yeah. without any sound it's incredible it's i can't handle it all right <laughs> here is another question we've got from j scott for real this is a fun one which fictional film sport would you most like to play pod racing for those high octane adrenaline junkies does a, a fictional sport come to mind what's the sport from uh, starship troopers that's kind of <laughs> oh fun oh my god like powerball um, or yeah. Yeah. Is. yeah oh i can't believe i can't remember what it, what the official name yeah. is yeah I mean, oh, I'm not even that big of a Harry Potter guy, but Quidditch always oh, seems like a fun. Yeah. yeah. 
I want to play basketball. 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 <laughs> you can play basketball. You're very, so, it's actually yeah. very well, like, yeah, I, probably, <laughs> professional. No, yeah, probably, yeah, like, I there was like a professional basketball league. Went to yeah. that because it's like I can play baseball and I could play basketball. basketball. I'd probably yeah. be pretty good. I had no idea you were so indebted to '90s uh, studio comedies. I'm a child of the '90s. <laughs> I grew up watching this stuff over and over and over again. Actually, this isn't really a sport, but I would like to do just about every single activity they do in heavyweights. Also, like, right. I want to freaking jump <laughs> on the, the blob. blob. I want to go go kart racing. I want to do all of that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I'm else so there is. I can only think of real sports right now. Yeah, right. Like real, like real sports being played by teams that I want to be a part of, like like Sandlot, Mighty Ducks, stuff like that. I also feel like most fake sports and movies are also tremendously violent, and like there's a really good chance that you'll just die really, really fast. Yeah. So rollerball, yeah, rollerball for a good example. Death race. I mean, like, Death race. Does <laughs> <laughs> the Hunger Games count? Because yeah. I don't think I don't want to take yeah. part in that. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, usually sports and like fictional sports yeah. are usually not the most pleasant things. Like, no. yeah. Oh God, I, I'm sorry to do this to you guys right now, and I'm really sorry to do this to everybody out there. But we're going to keep the bread theme rolling this week, and I okay. promise I'll pull back next week. <laughs> Planeta Sophia is asking, "I need to know this. What type of bread would you? Wh- what type of bread represents you? I think that's what she's getting at here." Drew is completely clueless as to what's going yeah. on. Yeah, right I just want to. But say I, that. But so I know Bread is very, very important to Collider Movie Talk for reasons that I can't fully explain. Why is there a bread basket out here, you know? That's Don't big, put yeah. ideas okay. in Dorian's all right, all right. head. So what bread best represents you? I think, you know, te- I'm going to say Texas toast. You know, I grew up in oh, Texas. I mean, there's nothing better than a I big, thick slab of Texas toast. Too. Yeah, I love bread. <laughs> as, as is evident by my physique, I love bread. So, uh, yeah. As a New Jersey Jew, I guess I should say rye. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's what I'm disgusting with. Yesterday, yeah. I purposely chose an everything bagel just like because nice. I'm that's a good. New Yorker. Yeah, there you go. I love bagels. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I had to go with that. <laughs> All right. Let's get one from MK Songbird, who's going back to the 100 most essential movies mm, list. Okay. And they're asking, what is the most recent film that you would put on the list? So is there anything from, let's say, like this year or less that you think is going to wind up on that list eventually? Oh, I couldn't say. Just... I actually would wholeheartedly say Avengers Endgame, because especially with the way that you described what point, should be yeah. on the list... I mean, there, there's nothing it's like it. There's yeah. no event-level movie like that. I, we might not ever get one in our lifetimes ever again. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that Get Out was on there, but I am even more of a... I'm an even bigger fan of Us, so I might even put Us wow, on okay. there. Yeah, as something that really... I think push things forward. I think Endgame is the answer. I think you absolutely nailed it. It's like, yeah, that's just the movie. Because we, we aren't like... The, even the idea that Marvel could ever do something like what they've built after, like, if, over the last 10 years, again, it won't even have, it just won't have the same effect no. simply because they've already done it once. Like, I can't, I can't even imagine how big you would have to go to create that kind of feeling again. In fact, I'm not sure there is big enough. I so, was just trying yeah. to think of some other franchises that could have been on that list that aren't. Do you think a Harry Potter movie should have been on that list? No. I mean, you know, not that this is uh, essential either, but still running with that same theme, like Twilight and how that changed the game and the craze uh, that that started. But I don't know. Fads, I, I feel sure like yeah, the overall quality will, of that movie doesn't really warrant yeah, a spot. I will say within my kind of, again, within kind of my, and this, I didn't write this list, but uh, the fact that Empire is here over Star Wars yeah. is an interesting choice. It is. It is. I love Last Jedi. Last Jedi's great. Comments go wild. (laughs) Blow up. Don't tempt them. All right. Let's get one more question in. And this is a great question for you, too, I think. 
The next big rap star, 92, wants to know, what's the film that blew your mind as a kid that opened your eyes to what filmmaking could be? Whoa. That is a big, big question. I think every... I'll give you guys a little bit of time, because everybody out there does know my answer, and it's Jurassic Park. Park. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was in (laughs) such awe of... You know, just, you know, a kind of out of this world concept coming to life before my eyes and feeling so real. And then as I got older, the more and more I watched it, the more I appreciate the artistry in it and just the capabilities that are in a very talented filmmaker's hands to bring something that is not your reality. Did you even see that in theaters? Yeah. Oh, okay. I saw it in theaters with my... How old were you? I was... An itty bitty <laughs> child. I shouldn't have been seeing that movie. My sister was there, and she's two years younger than me. Wow. And when the T Rex broke out of it, its paddock, like little Annie, just like up. Oh, <laughs> nice. My dad went after her, and she watched. At the time, they still had the little windows in the theater right. door, so uh, we kept turning around, and she watched the rest of the movie with him, like lifting her into the window in the door. Yeah, I remember campaigning for my mom to let me go see <laughs> Jurassic Park. Like, listen, it's PG thirteen. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Dinosaurs aren't going to be too outrageous. Yeah, but you grew up in Texas. Yes, I <laughs> <laughs> but I was still a you know swindling New Yorker. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So is that your pick as well? Um, I would say maybe Lion King, the mm, Lion ninety four. Yeah. yeah, that was really that kind of opened up what animation could be and was kind of the the linchpin of the whole you know second Renaissance. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is I mean, this is very I mean, weirdly personal, but like. My entire journey into film actually, in a weird way, ties back to a, a, an English assignment that I had in seventh grade where we had a segment on uh, film reviews just as, hmm. as a like, form of uh, persuasive writing. And as part of that, uh, I watched Casablanca for the first time, and that was the first time I ever analyzed a film. That was the first time I ever like did a deep dive into what filmmaking really was, and now I'm here. <laughs> How old so, are you? I uh, love in that seventh grade. Story. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's so beautiful. I, I love I love thinking about little neurotic Eric. Going, Listen, I, I mean, think, <laughs> I think you could describe all three of yeah, us that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Now and when we were children. Yeah. All right. I don't think there's any better way to end the show. So we do have to say goodbye. Before we leave you two, though, where can everybody out there find your work on the internet? Well, I just got laid off. So uh, from Movie Phone, a casualty of the Movie Pass uh, destruction. So I am now freelance. Anyone wants to hire me, please do. But listen to Light the Fuse every week, my Mission Impossible podcast, and Fine Tuning, my other animation podcast, every week. Um, yeah, and I'll be out there. Social Find media. me on Twitter. Yeah, Drew Tailored, like the suit, uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at E. Eisenberg, and I am the events editor at Cinema Blend, and you can find all of my work there. Thank you guys again for being here today. We hope to see you again soon. Adam in the booth. Thank you for all your hard work and the happiest birthday to you. I hope you have a wonderful time celebrating today. Happy birthday, Adam. All right, guys. Another thank you to Dorian in the live chat today and to all of you out there for watching our show. Don't forget to like and share it. And guess what? We got something cool coming your way on Collider Live very soon. So you're going to want to tune in 10 a.m. this morning. They have Jaden Martell, who you might know from a little movie franchise called It. He's also in a movie called Low Tide. He's going to be on the show along with writer-director Kevin McMullen. So check that out. Don't miss it. And then tune in tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific, for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power.
I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC Let's Go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire! Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast, Podcast One, Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.